You are now listening to the E-Watchman Podcast with your host, Robert King. Watchman's Post. This is episode number 67, recorded in the waning days of the year 2015. There has been a a previous installment for December, but uh, I've decided to bump it up to uh, semi-monthly programs twice a month. So beginning this month and hopefully carrying over into the new year. Well, thank you for listening, and thank you all who have uh, made your pledge through the crowdfunding mechanism that will buy a few clicks on Google Pay-Per-Click. I have been getting a few new readers, I'm assuming, because I get a few emails uh, more recently, an uptick in emails, I should say. And people stating that they've just recently started reading. And so apparently uh, it's working. And that's why I thank you for your contributions. As most of you probably know, at some years ago, back in 2005, I put together a, a book. <laughs> it was kind of a collection of essays, and I shaped it into a book. And And then I did a second edition in 2010. And then uh, last year, there was um, an iTunes version. And my friend Timothy, he's an avid reader and he likes to read on his uh, Kindle. And he he felt like the the print was so small for some reason in the EPUB version and unfortunately, there's Apple does not make it easy to change from their iBook format to EPUB and vice versa. It's not easy at all. Uh, so he decided he was going to uh, take my Word document of the original file and reformat it for uh, EPUB. And I thought, well, while you're doing that, I might as well revise it and make a third edition and update it because of the, you know, the Watchtower Society's uh, New World Translation, new New World Translation. <laughs> uh, so I, I wanted to update the scriptural references to reflect that and bring other things up to date. And so I, I've been working the last few weeks going through, I, I had thought about doing this last summer someone suggested it and I got into it and it was just so tedious I I couldn't bear to do it but my friend Timothy has put a little uh, fire under me so hopefully it'll be done in a a couple weeks and he'll have his Kindle format and if any of you are interested in having it in the EPUB version well it'll be available and I I figure I might as well go ahead and uh, republish it as the final edition in a regular hardbound 
uh, version as well. So that's what I've been doing lately. I haven't been uh, publishing articles on the Watchman's Post. I have gotten a few emails from people, though, that have asked, well, what's going on? Why haven't you posted anything? As a matter of fact, I, I do write pretty much on a daily basis, uh, but it's not published on the Watchman's Post. It's on an auxiliary site called the Daily Commentary. And on the front page of the Watchman's Post, there's a link right there. It says Daily Commentary. Click on that, and there's a short article, usually uh, longer than the Watchtower's comment on the daily text. But So I do write every day. I, I haven't completely uh, gone off <laughs> line, so to speak. Anyway, so I've, I've made an accounting for myself. Well, as you know, the format of this program is uh, I try to answer your questions. And I thank you for your questions. If you have questions, you can email me at thewatchmanspost at gmail.com or you can put your voice out there for the World Wide Web to hear. Send me a voicemail. The instructions are on the contact page if you go over to about a drop-down menu comes down, and there at the bottom it says contact. And that's how you can get a hold of me. But I have a few questions here. Uh, not very many. I don't know if we'll fill out a half hour here. Uh, but let's see. They say, I have a query regarding Zechariah 14.5. Why does it say that Yahweh will come? It seems to imply Jesus is referred to as Jehovah. How do you explain this verse? Well, let me uh, read that span of verse for the benefit of those who um, may not know <laughs> what Zechariah 14.5 is. It says in the New World Translation... Jehovah will go out and war against those nations as when he fights in the day of a battle. In that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in half from east to west, forming a very great valley. And half the mountain will move to the north and half of it to the south. You will flee to the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains will extend all the way to Azel. And you will have to flee just as you fled because of the earthquake in the days of King Uzziah of Judah. And Jehovah, my God, will come, and all the holy ones will be with him. Well, friends, um, you know, I well, I get questions like like this on YouTube and um, and people. I mean, it's a it's a legitimate question, but you know there are some very clever deceivers, and they can't stop us from reading the Bible. I'm talking about the demons, of course. Uh, you know, back during the Dark Ages, they, they had the Bible locked up. They tried to destroy it completely, and they failed. 
but then they tried to keep it locked in a dead language in Latin, and they failed. And now the Bible is pretty much everywhere. People have copies in their homes and on their coffee tables. And uh, But as people that are interested try to read it and try to understand the truth, the demons <laughs> want to mess with our heads. And they want us to be hasty, I would say, in our reasoning. And the, the people that they use as their little con men, you know, they here's a verse, and this verse sums it all up. Here it is. The truth is encapsulated in this verse. Read it. There it is. <laughs> but the truth is bigger than a verse or a span of verse in the Bible. And we want to know the truth, the overall truth. And we can only get that by reading the Bible. And it can't happen overnight either, can it? We have to read and reread it and let it soak in like water deep down into the soil to the roots. And then we begin seeing the broader picture. And then no one can trick us by saying this verse sums it all up. And that's especially their technique when it comes to trying to trick people into thinking that Jesus is Jehovah. Well, this chapter uh, in uh, Zechariah, of course, it's a prophecy and it's dealing with the return of Christ. And as we know, Jesus is going to, to return to the earth. But here it says Jehovah is coming down. He's going to step <laughs> on the Mount of Olives. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because when Jesus spoke about the conclusion of the system of things, he was with his disciples sitting upon the Mount of Olives. And that's from that vantage point, he was looking down on the city of Jerusalem and he told them all the things that would occur during that conclusion, including the great tribulation in which they would have to flee. And this prophecy in Zechariah is referring to that. But why does it say here that Jehovah comes down? Is Jesus Jehovah? Well, no. But Jesus is Jehovah's representative. So it's as if Jehovah is doing these things. And, you know, t t talking about the broader picture. Remember when Moses received the Ten Commandments and the whole law, he was up in the mountain with Jehovah for 40 days. And he didn't eat that whole time, by the way. But anyway, he, the, the account says that he spoke with Jehovah face to face. Well, <laughs> thousand years later, 1,500 years later, the book of Acts says that the law was transmitted by angels. So it wasn't really Jehovah after all. But angels were deputized, authorized to speak for Jehovah as if they were God himself. After all, angels are God's messengers. So is Jesus, for that matter. He is called the Word. He is his ultimate spokesman. Another example is when 
three angels materialized, and they looked exactly like men, and they went to speak with the man Abraham as regards the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And one of the men took the lead in speaking, and he was called Jehovah. It actually says that Jehovah said to him and so forth, but obviously it was not Jehovah, not literally. No man can see Jehovah and live. It would be impossible for God to be contained in a little fleshly body. It just, it wouldn't work. So anyway, that man that was described as being Jehovah was obviously an angel, again, who was deputized to speak in behalf of God. So whatever he said and did was what Jehovah wanted conveyed. Well, to take the example here again in Zechariah, his closing verse was, Jehovah my God will come and all the holy ones will be with him. In the book of Revelation, though, we see Jesus with his calvary of angels coming to annihilate the wicked during this day of battle. So again, it's not Jehovah literally going into battle, but he authorizes Jesus to lead an army of angels and really the holy ones referring to the 144,000 who at that time will be with him, as it says in Zechariah. They will have all been resurrected before the Battle of Armageddon ensues. So I hope that answers that question. And my exhortation is do not focus on a single verse and allow that to mold your thinking and you make a decision, well, this means this. It's got, Jesus has got, you know, and you jump to the wrong conclusion. Don't do that. <laughs> Be careful. Okay, well, now this is a, a similar question. He says, I'm aware that you make the point that Jesus rules and has given Jehovah's throne for a thousand years, ruling as if he were God, even though we know he's not God. And then he gives it back when all things are subjected, which proves the point of real love and loyalty on the part of Jehovah's creatures, and it proved Satan a liar. However, my elder told me that Jesus is not ruling from Jehovah's throne. Hence, that's why we see Jesus ruling on a throne underneath Jehovah's throne in our publications. And he, he emailed me uh, the pictures that he... Um, pasted from the publication he was referring to. But then he, he quotes from Hebrews. It says, but in Hebrews, it says, God is your throne forever and ever, or thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of your kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. Is Jesus ruling from Jehovah's throne, or is he given his own little separate throne? <laughs> Well, I would say you know none of us have actually seen a vision of heaven, so we we can't really say what the layout is, can we? And the Watchtower's artist's conception of that is just that, an artist's conception. At the same time, though, 
I mean, I tried to get the point across in a video some some while back. Are Jehovah's Witnesses wrong about Jesus? Sort of a provocative title for a YouTube audience of Trinitarians, but you can forgive me for that, I hope. But the point is that Jehovah does allow his son to be worshipped. He wasn't worshipped when he was on earth, just when people bowed before him, because um, people bowed before other kings and rulers and so forth. But it's interesting that in the book of Revelation, it does not refer to two thrones. It refers to a single throne upon which God sits and Jesus is also said to be in the midst of that throne. Now try to picture that. Instead of picturing two separate chair-like thrones, picture God with all of his angelic creation around him, including the 144,000 and all the seraphs and cherubs and, and all of them, but in the midst of the throne is also Jesus. So everyone who is bowing down before him is also bowing down to Jesus. Because remember, at this point, Jesus and Jehovah are indistinguishable. Father, Son, they are exactly alike. Referring to Hebrews, isn't that what Paul said? He is the exact representation of his very being. So let me read that passage to you. This is in the um, seventh chapter of Revelation. And it was referring to the 144,000 and then the great crowd who are also before the throne. Not that they're literally in heaven, but they have received a favorable judgment before God like the sheep and the goats, remember? They, they're said to stand before the throne, even though they're upon the earth. And that is why they are before the throne, referring to this great crowd. And they are rendering him sacred service day and night in his temple. And the one seated on the throne, that's God, will spread his tent over them. They will hunger no more, nor thirst any more. Neither will the sun beat down on them any scorching heat because the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd and will guide them, shepherd them and will guide them to springs of water of life and God will wipe out every tear from their eyes. So uh, it's interesting. There's a little asterisk in the New World Translation who is in their midst and there's an asterisk there, mists, and you click on that, and it says, in the center of. So the lamb is in the center of the throne. But Jehovah is actually on the throne. But the lamb, of course, is ruling for Jehovah. He, Jehovah's not... Remember when Jesus was on the earth, he said that it was a contradiction, really, but it's a, a paradox. He said the Son doesn't judge anyone at all, but only what the Father does. And he said the, <laughs> the Father has committed all the judging to the Son. 
Well, which is it? Well, Jehovah has committed the judging to the Son, but the the judging on the part of the Son is only the way Jehovah would judge. So it's as if from Jehovah. Isn't that what Jesus said? I do nothing of my own initiative, only what I beheld my Father doing. So Jehovah has entrusted his throne to his son, but his son knows Jehovah so intimately that he only does exactly what Jehovah would do. And again, that we can, we can trust Jesus. He said, no one knows the Father except the Son, and no one knows the Son except the Father and to whoever else he's willing to reveal him. So those 144,000 will know Jehovah more intimately than even the angels. Okay, but yeah, that share that with your elder, that passage in the seventh chapter of Revelation. It's not necessarily two separate thrones. It's a throne with Jehovah and Jesus in its very midst. All right. Well, I think this is from the same questioner and he uh, quotes Psalm 110, Jehovah declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I place your enemies as a stool for your feet. He says, when, when is are Jesus' enemies placed as a stool for his feet? And when does he stop sitting at God's right hand? Is it when Satan is hurled down to the earth, when Jesus is given rulership, honor, and kingdom? And then he cites uh, Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 12, He says, is Jesus currently sitting at God's right hand waiting until he is given the kingdom? Well, uh, your elder would say, no, Jesus was given the kingdom in 1914, and that is when Satan the devil was thrown down. And, you know, you, you better not argue with him unless you want to, you know, be in the back room with the judicial committee. But if... Jesus begins ruling, and his first act as king is he he and his angels engage in battle with Satan, and his angels, that's what's described in the 12th chapter of Revelation. We know that's the first act because when Satan is thrown down, it says, now has come to pass the power and the salvation and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. I think, you know, if you could encapsulate my website and all the information I've put out there, it's dedicated to overturning this idea that the kingdom was set up in 1914. So, no, Jesus has not begun ruling, is still sitting at his father's right hand. I'm convinced of it. And, uh, you know, the society's whole premise is based upon their insistence that all the signs that they say have been fulfilled cannot be fulfilled in the future. You know, in the reasoning book, you know, they say that all these events that Jesus foretold make up one sign and it's like a fingerprint and no two fingerprints can be identical. So they're saying that None of the things that Jesus foretold can occur in the future. There cannot be another war, a world war. 
well, that's, that's just crazy. I mean, that's absolutely crazy. There's going to be another war, and there's going to be a horrific financial collapse. You know, as of the first of the year, 2016, a law goes into effect in the Euroland, making it legal for the banks to confiscate depositors' money if they get into trouble. <laughs> they, they've already run this that scam in Cyprus a few years back. Everyone with over $100,000 in their account, and there were quite a few wealthy Russians who had their money parked offshore, and they got a haircut, you might say, to keep the banks of Cyprus from going down and taking down the, some of the bigger banks in Euroland. But now that has been instituted as law, how long do you think it's going to be before one of the biggies blow? Deutsche Bank or, uh, you know, Standard Charter or RBS or any of those banks that, are, that have trillions of dollars of derivatives bets. We've reached the end of the line for this financial system. And anyone who's even half awake can see that they're lining up for a huge confrontation and most of the nations in this opposed, two opposed blocks are nuclear powers. So the, how can the Watchtower glibly say that, no, 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 there cannot be another war. There can't be food shortages. There can't be pestilence. Not like there was in 1918 with the Spanish flu and blah, blah, blah. But. When these things begin to occur, the Watchtower's credibility is going to be shot. <laughs> and then Jehovah's Witnesses will have their faith tested. And this, is, uh, this leads into my final question here, which is uh, quite lengthy. I'll, I'll try to boil it down as I read it, but um, he apparently has read the book, and um, he took note of the fact that I indicated that the faithful and discreet slave has not been appointed over the master's belongings. And then a couple of years ago, the Watchtower uh, came around to that point. That was point number one. Also in your video, The Coming New World Order, you have rightly pointed out that the iron legs do not represent the Roman Anglo-American dual world power, and the iron and the clay feet cannot symbolize a, quote, politically divided world as it would violate the natural progression of kingdoms presented in the prophetic dream. But instead, the feet perfectly symbolize the unworkable union of the Anglo-American dual world power. Sure enough, I believe at the annual meeting of 2013, the Watchtower began to teach that very thing. The feet do indeed represent the Anglo-American dual world power. Two points for e-watchmen. <laughs> okay. Uh, I didn't know people were keeping score on this. That's interesting. Okay, and he goes on. If I were to also logically follow the natural progression of reality, I would indeed come to the realization that the harvest, the mortal head wound, the 666 marking of the beast, spiritual paradise, the change to a pure language, 
and the house of God being judged, the seals being opened, and the trumpets being sounded, and Jesus Christ's glorious parousia have also not begun, but are indeed reserved for a time in the very near future. Three points for E-Watchman and strike three. The watchtower is out. Oh, man. Ah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's funny. The baseball analogy, huh? They didn't even pop out. They were just went down swinging, right? Okay, his question is, for the sake of all of us who have extreme guilt towards Jehovah and the Watchtower for believing and seeking information outside the walls of the organization and for being fearful, excuse me, fearful of our lives even, that we might somehow unknowingly be forfeiting our lives by secretly stepping outside the protective walls of the organization. We're constantly told and warned how dangerous it is to be away from Jehovah's organization, that we need to follow and stick closely to it. And nowhere else can we go, or else we will be partaking of the table of demons and drinking the cup of the demons. That's what my elder told me. That it can even mean our everlasting life. Seeking information from a so-called apostate is the situation we are in. And it affects our consciences, even though we cannot deny the truth you present. Okay, here's a question. Could you please take a moment to express your genuineness and your absolute confidence in the messages you declare to Jehovah God's people? Well, that is an interesting question. You know, I, I've been thinking about this for a couple of days. And, uh, you know, it's not an easy question to answer because I, you know, I can't point to a scripture and reason that way because it, you're asking me a personal question. I will say that, <laughs> and you, you may not like this. In fact, I'm not really out to gain friends, even though I don't intentionally want to offend people. I, I encourage you to listen to your elder. It, it pains me that Jehovah's Witnesses do drift off and do basically have, give up on the truth, on their faith, go back to the world. And, uh, yeah, I, I hate to see that. I, I believe that, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses have the basic truth. All the stuff that you've mentioned, it's all about prophecy, isn't it? And prophecy is Jehovah's domain. I like the way it's worded in the, the, um, the, the newly revised New World Translation and the 48th chapter of Isaiah. It's when Jehovah begins speaking to his uh, anointed ones after they've been punished. But he says to them that... Um, well, the old version said that I have things held on reserve. But the new one, new translation says that I have closely guarded secrets that you have not known. So they, they think they know. But it's as Jehovah says again in Isaiah, 
who is as blind as the servant of Jehovah, who is as deaf as my messenger, blind as the one rewarded. So Jehovah has hidden these things from them. And my mission or my assignment, you might say, has been to point this out and to point of a future judgment. Uh, but, the, you know, the Watchtower teaches basically the truth as far as the, you know, the basic fundamental doctrinal truth. You know, I, um, let me re re take a moment to express your genuineness and your absolute confidence. I get um, emails, I have, you know, over the years from persons who have left the organization. Some are disfellowship. Some have disassociated themselves. Some people are studying and they're confused. They've been stumbled. They hear all the negativity. And I always encourage them to, to stick with it or to go back. And in some cases, I have received emails from persons who are saying they have gone back. And I, I I've received quite a bit of correspondence from people who are studying and are trying to cope with some of the stumbling blocks. For example, how can they get baptized if they don't believe in 1914? Or how can they be baptized if they have to declare that their baptism brings them into association with the God Spirit directed organization? Blah, blah, blah. So um, I, I think that's uh, an expression of my genuineness that I have never, ever tried to encourage or discourage, I should say, people, Jehovah's Witnesses, from sticking with the organization. Even if, okay, you, you've been partaking of apostate literature, reading E. Watchman. Uh, but what, is, what does that mean, though? It means now that the, is the Watchtower apostate because I trumped them, because I published something that they now accept as the truth? Isn't that crazy? Before the Watchtower said that the, the faithful slave had not been appointed yet, which was at the annual meeting of 2012, prior to that time, if you said, no, I don't believe the faithful slave has been appointed over all of his master's belongings, that doesn't make sense you would have been considered out of step with the Watchtower. And if you persisted, you could even be disfellowshipped and considered an apostate. But after October the <laughs> in the year 2012, now what previously was considered untrue is now the truth. It has the official stamp placed on it by the Watchtower. Same thing for all of this other stuff. I, you know, I've pretty much dedicated my life to this ministry and, and putting this information out there, but I, I don't expect Jehovah's Witnesses to do anything with it. I just got an email uh, today that someone said they just came across my site. They read a few articles. They're blown away. What do I do now? They're asking me, what do I do now? Well, I, I, I tell them, don't do anything. Especially, don't do anything stupid. Like, you know, 
talk a lot to your, your friends and you think you can trust or your family, chances are they won't be able to handle it. And they'll think that you've gone off the deep end, off the reservation, as they say. And my advice to him was to be as cautious as a serpent and as innocent as a dove, as Jesus said. But the day is coming, my friends. The day is coming. Jesus is coming. And then all the things that have been hidden, Jehovah's guarded secrets, will be unveiled. And the things that have been emanating from some apostate on the internet, boom! (laughs) Because the watchtower is is not going to be there to explain it. How could they possibly explain it? Well, we lied about, you're not in spiritual paradise. It was nonsense, this whole business of the League of Nations being the beast and people getting the mark. It was nonsense that Jesus came and judged the house of God. And No one will listen to them then. They will be completely discredited. So Jehovah wants you and I to demonstrate our faith. The watchtower has served as a tutor, you might say. And it's really a a very similar situation as Judah and the Israelite uh, nations and and the law that Jehovah gave them. It served as a tutor till Christ. But then what happened? When Christ came, that whole system was dissolved. It was actually destroyed. It had served its purpose. The watchtower is in the very same situation. It has brought a people together. It has help people to have a ministry. It has taught us what we need to know about Jehovah and Jesus to serve them acceptably at this time. But when Jesus comes, then the watchtower is no longer needed. It will be discarded and destroyed. And those with genuine faith will go forward in a new reality. Many will not, though. Many will be stumbled. I'm trying to prepare people. (laughs) Stumble yourself now and get up, right? Stumble before the rush. Now you have time to sort it out. You know, and I'm here to answer your questions and try to help you, you know, get it straight in your mind. Because when the missiles and bombs start flying and, you know, you go to the grocery store and the shelves are stripped bare and, you know, that's not going to be a time conducive to... uh, studying and and getting the sense of these things. So consider yourselves in the know, but uh, lay low. So anyway, um, that's going to do it for the final edition of the Watchman's Post in the year 2015. I'll be talking to you next year. And until then, may Jehovah bless your search for the truth.